The Weekly Dish podcast is presented by Common Ground Minnesota. Food and farming conversations from Minnesota women in agriculture. Learn more at commongroundminnesota.com or follow them on Instagram at commongroundminn. Hey everybody, it's Steph March for Common Ground Minnesota, and I love talking about women in agriculture. The women of Common Ground Minnesota are volunteers who are volu- you know, taking their time to chat with you about what it's like to live on a farm and grow food in Minnesota. Here's some really great news about this group. They have just launched a newsletter that you can basically sign up for at commongroundminnesota.com, and you get the latest you know, events, giveaways, delicious recipes, all sorts of great stories from the farm. And I got to tell you, it's just a really cool thing to get into your inbox every month. And it's it's kind of an, a way in. If you're wondering, like, I don't know what I'm going to ask when I go to Common Ground, Minnesota. Well, this is just an introduction and a way to get you guys to meet the farmers at Common Ground, Minnesota. The Common Ground Minnesota volunteers, remember, their goal is to be a resource for your food and farming questions. Don't forget, check them out on Instagram at Common Ground, M-I-N-N, CommonGroundMinnesota.com. I'm Norman with the My Talk Chicks, and we will eat on, eat on the weekly dish. Weekly Dish on My Talk 1071. I'm Stephanie March, and I am being joined this weekend, you guys, by none other than Miss Elizabeth Reese. Are you there, Elizabeth? Good morning. I'm here. I'm ready to chat. I'm so excited. I just ate some sourdough with peanut butter and then raced up the stairs. (laughs) That's so good. Yeah, you're at home. I'm here in studio. And I just, it feels like we're just like having our little coffee chat. You know know what I mean? It's so nice. I actually have a coffee, so I'm ready to go. Okay. and, um, And feeling just so happy about the shift in the season. This is one of the most fun times of year, although I feel like I say that every time I'm on the show. Well, like, I mean, is it is, but this is eat. how we track, right? We track how we eat, why we eat, what we grow, what we're doing, all, and this is like Minnesotans are, like, that's, the weather is kind of our thing. I know, so. it totally is, it absolutely is, but there's all sorts of fun things going on. Yeah, I mean, I'm not kidding you, there's like, it is like a fresh vibe out there, I think everybody is feeling very positive, I feel like... You know, there's like if we're marking a year and yet I think like we're feeling like we're finally coming through right. all the stuff. Yep. Are you feeling like are you feeling like you're ready for everything to be different again? Yes, I'm feeling like I'm ready for everything to be back again. Although I do I hope there are a few lessons that we've learned that right. we'll take with us. I mean, there are a few kind of things about this that I go, oh, like a couple of things. Um, I hope that people always stay home when they're sick. Yes. I love this cultural <laughs> shift in that it is socially unacceptable to come to work when you're sick versus it was totally socially unacceptable to call in sick. You yeah. were looked at annoying as annoying and weak if you called in sick and then you came in and spread your nasty germs all over the place. This is a good point. This is like amazing. I love the flexible thing. People figuring out they can work from home. They can work from um, work. And so hopefully they're able to create the life that they want a little bit more. Yeah. And then I also love the great American slowdown, understanding that being scheduled to death is not good for us. Now, this is a thing I want to chat with you about because you have multiple children. Three. And- how did this happen? <laughs> I know how it happened. But I, uh, yeah, we all know how it happened. But the, the idea that, because I think like you're definitely someone who is going to either be affected and, and, you know, changed or or you're going to go right back into the old ways. I don't know. And I'm saying I have one friend. And, and the reason I said, are you ready to get back to the normal in the beginning is because I have one friend. We were both lamenting like, man, 
we didn't do the stuff that we thought we were going to do during the slowdown. Like, I'm really not ready to get back to, like, all the things. We just didn't get all the things done. I had more hobbies that I wanted to master. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like if you got good at one thing or, like, explored one thing that was outside of your regular zone, yeah. then you were successful. Then you turned something that was very difficult into at least something positive for yeah. yourself. I agree. I agree. I definitely learned how to make dumplings more than anything else. Yes. <laughs> I made so many dumplings, and I made them, and I I've got my little folding technique down pretty good. Oh and my gosh. Yeah. You need to make them on Twin Cities Live. Oh, I should. It's so I could make them either with like, now I have my own dough recipe. Like there's definitely different dough for steaming versus what I'm going to boil or pan fry. Fabulous. And then there's also the ones that I just buy the wrappers from the freezer and I just wrap those, oh, you know? Oh man, that is really great. That's- that would be it. What would be the thing that you learned? Is sourdough sort sourdough of your thing? Sourdough is it, yeah. I mean, because I, I also had a baby in there, so True. I, I kind of gave myself a little grace that I didn't have as much time to do um, to do different things. But sourdough for me has been a journey, and it was a year long. I actually ordered my sourdough starter right before everything shut down. Yeah. And we, my husband and I went to Palm Springs, and it arrived right before we left. And when we were in Palm Springs, it was like really on the edge mm-hmm. of should we go or should we not? Right, right. And every day we were like, do we need to get on a flight and go home? Yeah. Like what's happening? Things were just starting to close. Yeah. And you would like we were in Palm Springs. and We were like, we are the libraries closed. You know, it's yes. just like those little things that we were like, what's happening here? But yeah. restaurants were still open and nobody was wearing masks, all those things. So when uh, so I kind of got this. I decided I wanted to do this sourdough thing prior to the pandemic. And then when I came home, I had it set up. And I will tell you, um, it took me eight months of, I mean, really baking consistently stuff. Yeah. Eight months to get to a point where I feel confident that I could, I felt confident that I could give a loaf away without cutting into it and be like, okay, that. (laughs) what I gave to somebody would be okay. <laughs> like not having that moment of like, oh my God, right. what is it? So that's why when people have been saying, oh, I tried sourdough or I try, you know, whatever, um, I and it didn't work. And then I gave up. And I am a person historically throughout my life where if I'm not good at something right when I try it, yeah. I am not interested in doing it. It's one of my worst qualities. <laughs> it's like a thing I hate about myself more than anything because I think I'm missing out on a lot of yeah. joy by not just appreciating the journey of getting good at something. Yeah. And so that's why I've been really proud of myself with this sourdough thing, because I would fail. And even Jay would be like, that's not very good. And I would go, you're right. It's not very good. And then I would just keep trying. And so the journey became really fun. And then I definitely got... Um, I mean, I've gotten I've gotten pretty good at it. I still have some fails, which that's another part of the joy of it is I'm on all these like sourdough Facebook groups. Oh, I bet I you see. are in so many communities. Yeah, I see like I mean, I don't participate. I just read what people say. Right. Um, you lurk. But you hear people who are like, I've been baking sourdough for 30 years and every like 10th loaf, I'll have a dud still. <laughs> you know, it's like, OK, so that makes you feel better. It's like yoga. It. It's a practice. It's a practice. It's and a practice. That is the other thing, Steph. I mean, and how that relates back to the pandemic and just all of the things that we've been learning that life is not this journey to get to the end. Like, cause when you get to the end, you're dead. It's over. Right. I mean, it is, it, we're always like looking like if we can just get to the next day, if I can just get to the next thing, if yeah. I can get that raise, if I can get that car, if I can get my kids into that thing, blah, 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 then it'll all be great. And it is not about that. It no. is the practice. And that is so I think that is why sourdough, as cliche as it sort of became, 
really resonated with people because it was getting back to the practice and the uncertainty because there are so many factors that go into it that you can never fully 100% predict that it's going to work. Yeah. And um, and that's such a metaphor for life. Right. Maybe just accepting those failures along with, right. you know. This is why so many people say, like, bread is life. Yeah. Didn't Jesus say that? I'm sure he did. I'm sure. I'm sure. <laughs> Him or another guy, at least, you know. <laughs> another guy. Another guy. Yeah. Some other guy. Yeah. Same same vibe. Oh, not a white guy, though. No, Another no, guy. definitely not. You got it. But let's, you know, the thing. So here's my question for you, though, about Zardo. Is this something that you now, I mean, like when we go back to doing full time, everything else's and everybody's running around. Do you think you're still going to make sourdough? Yeah, this is just part of my heartbeat. A couple of reasons is that, um, I mean, sourdough has been my husband's absolute favorite thing. Like yeah. he loves it so much. I okay. mean, he would buy it always before. Mm. Um, and he, and there'd be like, all he's like, all I want is sourdough bread around here. So he loves it. And my kids love it so much. I mean, when I cut a piece of sourdough off for them, they're like, Oh mama, I love bread and butter. I love oh. it so much. And then I've really mastered how to use the sourdough discard. When you feed your sourdough starter, you can't just continue to feed it and have it grow and grow and grow. You'll oh. have like a vat. Yes. So you have to take some of the starter, set it aside, and then take some and feed it. And so the stuff that you set aside is called the discard. And you can use that in all sorts of recipes. So I use that to make banana bread. I just fed my kids sourdough waffles that right. I use the discard for. Um, sourdough biscuits sourdough muffins all of these different things that you use that discard for and and so then that's become so much part of what we eat yeah that i um that i can't imagine going back to anything else and i i just got another big shipment of flour from sunrise flour mill which um if you want great flour we have two um sunrise and bakersfield i think are doing the best flour that you can buy Mm -hmm. and it's local and they buy from local farmers and um sunrise is heritage grains yep so is there's organic i think like hair i think sunrise is organic yes i guess i never look at the label yeah i know Uh, we do know that it's yeah it's locally milled you know heritage grains that's for sure and a lot of people who have like a gluten sensitivity yes um can eat it with no problem because it's not modernized wheat with right. such a high gluten content. Right. So right. they've really crushed it during the pandemic. I mean, they're, I think people started ordering like crazy. I've got a massive box in my dining oh room my right God. now that I'm going to open up because I bought their pasta too. I haven't ever bought their pasta. Oh my my God. sister said it's unbelievable. It is. I have had that and I, I love it. I got to tell you, I'm so interested about this because I'm also thinking about how, not just like what we've been through, but, you know, the sociology, you know, like journalists in me is thinking, how is this really going to affect how we go on? Right. And so that's really something I'm interested in today. And I'm gonna, we're going to talk a little bit about it later this hour. Um, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we want to talk about garden planning because yes. we know this is one of our favorite topics to <laughs> chat about. And I'm getting excited, but I'm very excited. We have a great show. We're going to have Mike Brown from Travail talking about lots of stuff. And then I've got some, we've got some little bit Easter dribs and drabs for you, but it's going to be fun. So we're going to take a quick break. You guys, we're going to come back with Elizabeth Reese and we're going to chat all the food things. This is the weekly dish on my talk. One Oh seven one brought to you by Hornitos. Hello dishers. Are you worried about selling your home because you don't know where you'll go once your home sells? Are you waiting to sell until there are more homes on the market? 
I'm Stephanie Hansen, and I certainly thought about these things when we sold our townhome last fall and bought a single-family home in Golden Valley. I worked with Carrie Augst and Sue Durfee from Lakes Area Realty because I knew where I wanted to live, and I needed an experienced realtor that had a large network to find houses that weren't listed to the public yet. No matter where you want to be, homes are moving so fast, you really need agents that are plugged into the market. And Carrie Augst and Sue Durfee have a wide network that helps them find you a house that sometimes isn't even on the market yet. We were the first people in the house we ended up buying, and we made the first offer because Carrie and Sue were on it. One of the things I loved about working with them was they came into our townhome and told us what to paint, whether or not we needed to replace our appliances, what furniture to stage, and when that open house came, they brought flowers and a fruit bowl, just those little touches that make your home feel really cared for and ready for the next buyer. Ask Carrie Augst and Sue Durfee for the hot dish special. They are offering this only to weekly dish listeners. So call Carrie and Sue at CarrieandSue.com at Lakes Area Realty. Hey everybody, welcome back to Weekly Dish. Thanks for joining us today. I'm Stephanie March. I'm here with Elizabeth Reese this weekend. Good morning. Thanks for having me, Steph. You know, I love when I get the chance to fill in and hang out with you. It's so, so great. I love just exploring all the things. It's like a coffee clutch ketchup and it's like, (laughs) it's my most favorite thing. It totally is. Um, okay, we have, you know, someone popped in. We had been talking about Elizabeth Sourdough, and someone, uh, Barbara, popped up a question wondering if you had ever worked with the Red Star Instant Sourdough or Red Star Sourdough Yeast, and she says it makes any t- loaf, loaf taste like sourdough. Oh, look at that. That's really interesting. So Red Star makes a commercial yeast. Yeah. Um. So uh, that's interesting that they have something that can make a loaf taste like sourdough. That being said... I don't think it would qualify as true sourdough because true sourdough is made from wild yeast and then um, has a fermentation period. Yeah, this one, I mean, she sent me a picture of the package. It says instant sourdough yeast plus sourdough culture. Oh. I don't know what that, I mean, like. So maybe you do get a little fermentation factor as it um, as it kind of sits for a while. So yeah. that's, that's great. And another thing, you know, if you don't want to commit to babysitting a sourdough starter, um, if you feel like that's a lot, I mean, the Artisan Bread in Five Minutes a Day book series uh, by Zoe Francois and Jeff Hertzberg mm-hmm. is incredible. Their technique is amazing. Yes, and you kind of, you get some fermentation going on because you keep this dough in your fridge for days at a time. Right, and that was my first foray into bread baking years ago, and I had total success and built up a lot of confidence with it and loved it. And it's not like you don't have to you know, take care of this pet of your sourdough starter, but That's, you can still bake great bread. Yeah. Yeah. I know. No, I mean, I think like Zoe and, and, uh, and the AB and five bread, it should be like, we should have like a steak in it since we talk about it so much. I know. <laughs> it's so worth, it's so worth having. I mean, I have the entire book series. Oh my gosh. And, <laughs> You know, I don't. Have you seen her new book? I mean, I haven't even seen it yet. We had her um, on the show. We had Zoe on the show for her Zoe Bakes Cakes book that uh, just came out. But I haven't gotten my hands on an actual copy. Uh, me either. And that's I. I sent her a note the other day saying, um, "It looks me. like other people have their copies." <laughs> I'm feeling a little jealous right now. What's happening? What's happening? But I know. Zoe but- Francois has her Zoe Bakes Cakes book out and. Everything I've seen out of it looks unbelievable. And, you know, she does have her show launching. I know I'm just waiting for more episodes to drop of the Discovery, you know, on Discovery Discovery Plus Plus. Mm -hmm. for the Magnolia show. um, Because, of course, I'm in them. So So I just really want them to show up because I really want to see if my hair was as horrible as I thought it was. Quite a few Minnesotans being featured on Discovery Plus. Oh, um, the laundry guy, right? Yes, Patrick Richardson. He's amazing. He and he's another one, Steph, as we talk about, like, 
enjoying the practice of things. Yeah. Just, just being present for the practice of whatever you're doing in your life. That's how he is about laundry. I am. And I know it sounds like, <laughs> come on. But when he talks about it, he's known as the laundry evangelist. The show on Discovery Plus is called The Laundry Guy. Yeah. And when he talks about it, you go, oh my gosh, I've been missing out on the joy of laundry. Oh. It really is amazing. Yeah. Anything that you're doing, <laughs> if you're present for it and you can find some um, just joy in the journey, it will make your life that much better. You know, my I'm, I'm probably never going to be like a laundry joy person, but I will tell you that I did have a mental switch from my friend Sheila, who she was like, we were talking about, you know, her kids were back and mine were back and they were, you know, we were kind of, you know, we have these like our kids align up yeah. and she was and at one point when we had both college kids visiting or whatever, she was like, you know, it's funny. She's like, I used to hate laundry and I used to make me angry and like, oh, I have to do everybody's stuff. And she's like, but then when they left, you know, she's like, I realize that if I'm doing laundry, that means they're here. Yeah. And it means that there's people in my house who I love. And it means that, you know, there's 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 like their home. And she's like, it just sort of switched the the, you know, it flipped the switch. And I thought that's true. There's a lot of things that you can do that for. Yeah. Too. You got to just change the, the narrative. The perspective. Of what does that task mean? Right. And actually, this dovetails quite nicely into gardening because I think a lot of people, you know, start thinking about like they think they want a garden and then they get into it and it is some work, people. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it is. It is some work. And this is the time of year when people are starting to plan. If you start seeds inside, you're going to want to start to do that now. Um, and then you can move your transplants outside. You certainly don't have to do that, and you can plant things directly from seed right into the ground outside as well. Yeah. Um, but, you know, what I always say about gardening, and um, I've had a garden in a house for 10 years. Before that, I had pots on various apartment balconies, and it's not about having this massive garden. People ask me all the time, how big should I have my garden? There's really only one rule that you want to follow. If you're doing raised beds, you don't want them to be any wider than four feet. Okay. If they're wider than four feet, then you can't reach the middle right. on either side unless you have like go-go gadget arms, right. which this most is people don't have. Not the case for me for no, sure. And you're a little tiny tyke, so you might yeah. want to go three feet. I would go three feet for sure. <laughs> so you can um, decide, and that's what I actually did with our current garden beds at uh, my house. They're three feet by, I think Jay did them three by 12 yeah. or three by 10. Yeah, longer's better, right? Yeah, they're long. And, and so we did two. And so you've got like this lovely little path in between the too, that I have like visions of, um, you know, doing little paver stepping stones and mulch and all those sorts of things. Um, and so that's the one kind of rule with the raised beds. And I also just encourage people to not think so much about like, I have to do this massive plot of land to grow something, just grow things in pots. You could grow a ton of food in pots. Yeah. It's incredible. Right. And you can get lettuces, you can do herbs, you can do, um, I mean, you can do carrots in pots, you can do potatoes in pots, uh, really anything can grow in a pot as well. And then you'll end up um, not feeling like you have, number one, you won't have nearly as much weeding. Yep. And you'll have, um, you can just kind of strategically place them wherever the sun goes. I think the weeding is what gets me. <laughs> it's a lot. It's exhausting. Like, I totally get out there that first time. And actually, you know, in this in this house, I've had these, you know, these garden beds out by the swamp, which is great because you, you know, have all this marshland surrounding it and it's very loamy, meaning like I almost never have had to water, yeah. you know, because it's always moist down there. But that also means that everything is coming up from underneath. Mm -hmm. And so I had, I mean, I have been fighting 
the you know the cattails and the reeds in the garden because they just come up from underneath you know yeah and that was the thing where it's like in the beginning of the season I get all excited and I clean them out and I get really you know it gets all beautiful and then wow that's just a that's just a daily thing it is a daily thing and um that's the one thing about weed management if you can try to just get out there and make it sort of part of your routine yeah. to just go out for five minutes. I mean, Steph, even if you're out for five minutes in the morning and you just p- pick a few weeds, you'll number one, you'll probably end up staying out there for 10. Yeah. Um, but you'll get a handle on it instead of going, oh my gosh, I haven't been out there in two weeks. And now it's like a living nightmare. The other thing is you, if you use a ton of mulch, now I'm not quite sure about your swampy situation, but for the average Joe, um, I buy, you know, like straw bales. Yeah. And then I just, and I use them in my chicken coop too. So it's great. Cause then I just have it kind of multi-purpose. And then I, as soon as I plant my tomatoes and they get like a little bit, you know, big, yeah, I just mulch the heck out of it all around it. And I, and so if you look at my garden, you actually very rarely see soil, yeah. you see the plants and then you see the straw. And what that does is it helps hold the moisture in. Yeah. Um, so I have to water less. And then it also, it kills the, the weeds, weeds down. They just, yeah. Cause they're underneath. And they can't get through that where your seedlings are, your plant, you're mulching around the seedlings. Do you ever use this preet or preen or whatever it's called? Have you heard no, of this? No, I don't even know what that is. Okay. I think it's, yeah, it's called preen and it's an organic. I mean, like it's natural. It's a weed preventer. Yeah. And um, I had a friend who gave me some and I used it and it was pretty great, but I hadn't, but that was like, I didn't do anything last year. <laughs> I thought last year because of the pandemic yeah. that I'd be like, oh, I have all this time. I can totally garden. I did not have all the time. Well, and if that's where the joy of raised beds comes into, I mean, you really avoid a lot of weeds with the raised beds Yeah, because, and especially if you go a little bit higher, um, mine are 20 inches high. Uh, so, oh. and initially I was only going to do 10 inches high and then Jay was building them and he's like, I think we should go higher. And I said, do what you got to do. It's just going to cost us more in soil. You know, we had to have the soil brought in. Yeah. So that's an upfront, um, you know, cost and kind of a pain, but we laid like a landscaping cloth down. That's what, yeah. Underneath. I have friends who yep. they talk about that cloth. Yeah. You lay that down and then you put the, um, the, you know, the bed structure around on top of that. And then you fill it with soil. And then once you do that, you're in pretty good shape. I mean, you can just, because I had beds in our old house that were like, it wasn't even beds. They were just like dividers. And it it became so not enjoyable stuff because yeah. it was so weedy. Oh, God. Okay. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk a little bit more, more about the home and gardening. And also interesting, I'm going to ask you about the dining room table. Ooh. I know. I know. We'll be right back. This is Weekly Dish. weekly dishers spring is sprung and that means the best tasting wild-caught seafood is available from sitka salmon you may have heard us talk about sitka salmon before on the show and that's because we are huge fans sitka salmon standards for quality are unrivaled in the industry because you see sitka salmon is a community supported fishery the fish they process for you to eat are caught by a collective of small boat fishermen, fisherwomen, and families. Some of these families have been fishing for multiple generations. And knowing the boat your fish comes from is not typical of most fish you buy. 
buy. When you buy a Sitka salmon share, you're getting the freshest quality fish you can, and you can trace the fish back to its source. With your share, you're part of the Sitka family, and you get monthly fish shipments of salmon, lingcod, crab, tuna, halibut, and you get the freshest fish while it's in season. They even have recipes, but I've been steaming my cod in my Instant Pot. The fish is so delicious, you don't even need to do much to serve it other than cook it and eat it. So Weekly Dishers, here is how you get your $25 discount for the first month of a premium Sitka Salmon Share. Type SitkaSalmonShares.com backslash Weekly Dish and you save $25. So save $25 on your box. Again, type Sitka, S-I-T-K-A, SalmonShares.com backslash Weekly Dish and you save $25. Hey everybody, welcome back to Weekly Dish. I'm Steph March here with Elizabeth Reese today. Hello, good morning. So exciting. Well, Hanson is still, I think I just saw a post that it's like 90 degrees and whatever. He's living in a van. Living in a van. I love it. I know. She'll be back next weekend and like I said, said last weekend we have a bit of a surprise for you guys oh wait is it easter next weekend so we're (laughs) never mind the weekend after that we're gonna kick off our new april uh freshness with a new uh just something about the show is gonna be different it'll be fun i know i don't even know this and nobody knows it i think hope and i and steph know it and that's about it that's very exciting so tune in okay okay so Here's some news. We were talking about gardening and like, you know, working with your home and everything else. And last weekend, I asked the uh, Weekly Dish community to put their little fingers in a cross together for me because I was put in, I had an offer on a house. And here's the news, kids. I got the house. Yes, Steph. I know. So, oh, I'm so excited. Big for you. ups for that one. That was like, I, I mean, I fully believe the vibes of the Weekly Dish community. <laughs> and that pie that I gave away also was a big piece of that. And so, but here's what's really interesting to me, and I, I'll tell you more about it once we get through, you know, the house we'll talk about more once I get through all the stuff, mm-hmm. you know, because there's a lot of stuff it's still. So I, it, it's always a miracle to me that any real estate transaction ends up actually going through. I know, honestly, there's, <laughs> I mean, how many times, have, and now it's like I have to click sign everything, which I is know. great, but I tell you. You don't read it. Yeah, right. That's the thing. Okay. So here's the thing, though. This was really interesting to me. I stumbled upon this article, and I thought you're such a great person to talk about with this, because... It really is. Um, it's an article I found on Vox the other night, and it's called um, What is the Dining Table Really For? Oh. And it was talking about the death of the American dining room. And I thought about it, and I read it, and I got to talk a little bit about it. Um, but first, I want to know, Elizabeth, did you grow up eating dinner at the dining room table? Yeah. Like, did you have a separate dining room, and did you eat at the dining room table? No, we only had one table. Okay. And we didn't have a kitchen island. We had a galley kitchen. Okay. In um, my parents had a split level house in Apple Valley, yeah. And it was very, um, it, it wasn't large, right? And so we, you came out of the kitchen, and it was like a dining cove. Yes. Kind of, and so that was where we ate. Every meal because Same. there was no other option. Yeah. And my mom had white sofas <laughs> on that level and we weren't allowed to touch them. No. In a 1500 square foot house. I mean, it's not right. like you had that much space to go touch stuff. Right. The three children. Yeah. So we were never allowed to like eat on the couch. Right. Right. And so I think of... We had uh, the same situation where we had like the galley kitchen. My mom has a ranch house 
And, you know, it ended in like it opened up into the area that was supposed to be the, di- you know, that it was just like it's the like kitchen. It's the dining cove. Yeah, it's the dining cove. But it was also like where you walk in from the garage and everything else. And she had a big round table that we would sit at. Yeah. Um, and she did have, you know, there was a leaf that you could put in to make it longer if we needed to. We had that too. But, you know, mostly like if we were doing like family, you know, like, you know, f- things we would do like a buffet and then we'd sit with our plates on our laps in the, in the nice dining room if we were dressed up or in the light, I mean, in the living room. But like we didn't have a dining room per se but it wasn't also like you said that whole thing not mm-hmm. the kitchen yeah so the idea is is that they're saying that um you know there are houses that have these formal dining rooms still you know that are like so there's the kitchen and you may have an eat-in part of the kitchen but there's the dining area but how many people remember having you know did you have grandparents who had like that table set that you almost couldn't touch Unless you were allowed, unless it was like a formal occasion. Yeah, and I know people who have a dining room who say, we never use the dining room. Right. Like, we absolutely, we've never once had dinner in here. And you ever go into people's houses and they just have stuff stacked on the dining room table in the dining room? Yeah. Now, I don't have a separate dining room. We have a kitchen and we actually had a separate dining room and then I took out the wall. You did take out the wall. That's what I was going to ask you. So looking at houses as I have been doing over, you know, the last like couple of months um, and realizing that... I was going to be looking for something and then trying to figure out how you have to figure out how your life flows Mm -hmm. in order to buy something that's going to work. Right. I mean, like it can't just be like, oh, I love this yard and oh, I love I mean, unless you want unless you're willing to put in a bunch of money to get it to where you want it to to change it. Yeah. Which is totally great, too. Um, But it was interesting to me how I have now been living in a house where um I guess for the last 20 years, I can equalize it with both of my houses is that I've had a house that has kind of an open kitchen with an island and the dining room table is sort of attached to the kitchen. Yeah. And it is a big table. I've always had a big table. We seat 14. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it is formal dining room size, but it's never been a separate space. And now I'm going into a place where I think I it was surprised me that I was looking at places and trying to decide where's my table going to fit. Like that to me became more important than anything. I think that's really great. Yeah. I mean, I think that's where you want to have people gather and understanding how you live your life. The The dining room table, um, I think more houses are now going back to, we just were talking with our real estate experts on Twin Cities Live the other day. And yeah. they said people are looking for separation in their home again. Okay. Cause and this there's is, been this huge yeah. trend of an open box concept. Yes. And, and then I was talking with my brother-in-law about this, who they have that kind of a house where it's all open. Yeah. And he said, yeah, it's a great idea that it's all open. And he said, until someone's doing something in the kitchen and then you have to have the TV on like 55 volume level in order to hear it. Yeah. Because there's a, there's no separation. No. And I will tell you that that is a thing that I was reading about how this and this article, I don't love this article in the fact of this is clearly like a very young, you know, millennial who has never like owned a home or done any of this stuff. She's just thinking about her parents. And by the way, she keeps referring to like the generation ago in like Victorian terms. She's like, <laughs> you know, like it was so unheard of to eat in your car, like even a decade ago. I'm like, oh my uh, god, that's what? Not true. No, I grew up eating in a car. <laughs> I mean, um, we I, all I, did I drive ate in a Dodge Caravan for my whole childhood. Hello. Drive-throughs were invented in the 50s, girlfriend. <laughs> like, let's be clear about this. But the, you know, there are some writers, young writers, who their perspective is. Elaine, and this is this girl's, but she has some interesting facts in here, some historical things that it makes it worth the read, but just with that grain of salt. But but the idea that we have gone from these formalized, you know, dining room as a status, you know, and like the formal dinners and all these kind of things was a status piece. And then as the 50s kind of rolled around, 
you know, they started building these houses where, you know, it was the eating kitchen and that became the hub, mm-hmm. right? And so then that's what we're talking about. It became the hub. And I'm so interested right now to see what this last year has wrought because as everybody actually came home and lived together all the time, exactly what you're saying, people were like, you know what? I'm going to need a little bit of separation. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, our dining table is an art table. It's the place where I assemble a shoe rack. Right. I just assemble a shoe <laughs> it's rack a work table. Dining room table. It's a craft table. <laughs> it's a craft table. It's the place where we eat. And um, and I we have a, a big dining room table and then a big island. Yeah. And I like that we have both options. And sometimes if we're having like takeout, then we generally eat at the island. Yeah. And then we're like, everybody sits, hangs out around the island and then we eat our takeout. Or if we're doing like tacos where everyone's just kind of grabbing stuff. Yeah. Um, but when, uh, you know, we're really into grilling. So if we have like Jay grill something and then I make a bunch of side dishes, then we sit down at the dining room table. So we probably eat dinner at the table in the island half and half. Well, and this was a really weird, this this is also with the perspective of this sort of uh, take. There was something weird about it in terms of like assigning that the dining room table was the only place that people ate together. And that's what, I mean, she was saying like, oh, you know, now that the rooms are so open, you know, when, when the dining room becomes part of the living room, becomes part of the kitchen, it means that you can dine anywhere. And I agree with that. Like people are eating on their couches and they're eating on, yeah. you know, they're eating in, 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 their, in their office. You know, they're doing all this kind of stuff stuff and i agree with that but i don't agree with the fact that that just because you're not sitting at the dining table means that you're not eating together because that's true i think that the island the uh you know kind of the the show place of the island so this is the hardest thing for me in the new house that i'm getting it doesn't have an island and i am kind of freaked out about it (laughs) is it like a galley kitchen does it or does it have like a little it's an l shape but there's no room to put like that, the kind of island that I've had for the last 20 years. And I'm okay with it because I'm living, you guys, I'm, you know, I'm going to be an empty nester. I'm going to be living alone. It's not like I have someone every day making food for and stuff. So I'm trying to work that out, but it is a weird idea, you know, because it has been the center of everything. I think the more that you can have a space though, that is just dedicated to connecting with people, Yeah, you know, to me, like the couch eating I guess is okay as long as the TV isn't on. Yeah. Because then it's then it's just not dedicated to connecting with people. I no. mean, if you're all together to watch a game or something, right. I mean, that's different. That's right. not like sitting down for a meal. That's just there for that activity. Yeah. Um, but the place that you have to gather where you can sit, where you can look at people. Yeah. You know? Yeah. We all kind of go around the edge of the island. Yeah. And then now I make my children sit one seat apart because they needle at each other. Oh, yeah. Next to each other. Oh, and yeah. I'm like, that's it. That's it. Move. You're done. You need the six foot rule in the house. social distancing in our house among our children yeah. at, at mealtime. Yeah. But wherever you can connect is a good thing. Yeah, no, and I think like that's why so this is going to sound weird but I'm toying with the idea of when you of making the the what they are using as the family room as the what I'm going to call the dining room. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm going to put the table in I I'm I'm toying with this idea of putting my big old table right in the front room and you know putting like my bar and my cookbooks and making that that just the extension of the kitchen Do because it. it does open to the kitchen but it's like that that instead of using my couches there putting that there and then using the dining nook as just the couches and all you'll probably have to do is maybe switch out a light fixture yeah. if you want to hang a chandelier in the middle or exactly. something exactly yeah so that's super smart because this is the thing is like so they're saying like the dining room's going away and like you know all of this like the gen z don't want to eat and i and the funny thing to me is that the people who use my dining room table the most 
are my Gen Zers. They are every time. And of course, I've had the clubhouse, but they come over. They play games. When I make them dinner, that's where they want to sit. They don't sit in front of the TV. Mm -hmm. They all come sit at the table. And that to me has been like the gift of all gifts. Yeah, that's because the TV isn't. I mean, everyone loves TV still, but it's not like special anymore. No, it's not. And it's so they're such digital natives that. That's the thing is like, that's just, just a normal part of their life that when someone makes them dinner, that's the moment that they're excited to have. I love the dining room table. Mine is scratched up and has marker all over it. Yes. And it's causing me some stress. Yes. So I am actually going to get, I've been eyeing these, um, these bonded leather table mats from oh. a company called Gather. Have you seen them? No, but I, I so appreciate Gather that. with an R-E, so fancy like yeah. G-A-T-H-R-E. Yeah. And I just, they make um like mats for playing on the floor. They make, you can hang these mats. Anyway, they have really gorgeous play tables, mat, uh, table cloths that you can wipe off and that look like really sleek and that um, you don't have to iron or anything like that. Okay. So that's going to be my next purchase instead of a new dining room table because mine has literal gouges in it. Yeah. It's cheaper for me to buy a nice tablecloth. I think that that's the way to do it. <laughs> that's what I'm, I do. I'm, I'm supporting you in this endeavor 100%. And I have three children, six and under, so and, I don't and, have the shot for a great table anytime soon. No, and I was going to say you need to sort of... That's your new lane. And so, like, the people were like, well, I have to buy a new one. I'm like, because it's going to get wrecked again. I know. It's going to get wrecked again. No, like, just get a tablecloth. Yeah, and that also, I'm going to sell the couch downstairs because it's a teenage couch and... <laughs> I, there's no point. You know what I mean? That was what we said. We're like, it's going to be the teenage couch for many years. That's and it. There you go. There it is. <laughs> All right, you guys, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to have the Ask Stephanie portion. So give us a call. Elizabeth is here to answer questions. You guys have that opportunity. So give us a call. 651-641-1071. We'll be right back. I could let this song go on and on. <laughs> oh, I'm totally with you. <laughs> I'm totally with you. I was like, I'll just let it keep going. I'll just let it keep going. But... I said to my A-L-E-X-A the other day, Yeah, play 90s music. Right. And then um, it started a full out Backstreet Boys dance party in my house. Oh, my God. And there's something about, you know, there, especially like that's when I was a teenager. Yeah. So there's something about the music from when you were a teenager. Yeah. That it just is, it is. brings you so much joy. Yeah. I will tell you that because I am older than you. It is. Uh, it is the full on like pop synth record scratch 80s that does it for me <laughs> I, I love it you i can't back to it i, I can't not love it one time that shows that the music that you was popular and that you listened to between the ages of 14 and 18 will be the defining music of your life yes i love this this, this is true about that kids today make good choices that's it it's also the pizza you eat will define you forever okay back to that in a little bit but first just let me remind you guys it is ask stephanie portion of the show Call us at 651-641-1071. We do have a number of callers on the line. But first, I want to shout out to Amanda Pa, who we love. You and I both personally love her. She put out on the Twitter, she says, I will be fine without a kitchen island. She says uh, she worried about that, too, but she realized it's not as essential as one would think. And she says how she personally love how open it feels without the island. And if I need something extra when I teach, I just pull in a small kitchen cart. So... Just, so smart. I know. I'm just shouting out like, and I know that this is a woman who cooks a lot. So that helps me. That helps me wonderfully. Yeah, that's good to know. It doesn't have to be. Yeah, it doesn't island. have to be. So she also, good. her kitchen is a great example of not having a ton of cabinets. Yeah. I mean, um, I'm, well, I'm thinking about ripping out cabinets. Anyway, we'll yeah. talk about it later. Okay, <laughs> we have Janie on the line. We're going to take Janie as a caller first. Hey, Janie, what's up today? Hey, um, it's not food related, but I'm not a fan of spending a lot of money on streaming services. I don't like okay but i keep hearing all these commercials about discovery plus and i think oh that's interesting and is it 
Is it worth subscribing to? What do you think? I don't know. They have a free seven-day trial, so you can do that, and then you can watch it, and then I would decide if it's worth... I, I haven't, I haven't, um, you haven't dipped so, in. No, I haven't even gotten to watch any of it yet. And, um, Shaletta Brundage was featured on Andrew Zimmern's yeah. new show. Uh, we've got Zoe. We have a lot of Twin Cities people. So I'm definitely interested. You know, Janie, I will tell you, I have, I have kind of gone the streaming route. I've gone, I guess, subscribed to Disney and then I got away from Disney. I did stars for a little while. Like, and then I cut it. I've been holding on to Discovery Plus. I really like it. Okay, good. Hey, can I say one more thing? Yeah. I want to thank um, Elizabeth for turning me on to that series, Parenthood. Oh, good. Because I, I hadn't heard of it. And then because of that, because um, I liked Lauren Graham so much, yeah, I you know, got hooked on to Gilmore Girls. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. that's an I'm easy gonna... addiction. These are good choices. These are good choices which, you're making. Which wouldn't be in my wheelhouse because I'm 70, so I was more of a Patty Duke show girl. <laughs> well, hey, that's a hey. good choice, too. <laughs> you know, it's just the modern Patty Duke, really, what we're talking about. <laughs> it totally is. Oh, thanks for calling. Thanks, Janie. I love it, Janie. Okay, we have <laughs> Kathy on the line. Hi, Kathy. Hey, what's up? Hi. Um, this may be a dumb question, it's but... Never a dumb uh, no dumb yeah. questions! Braze some beef short ribs yep. and the recipe I found has red wine. I'm not a huge, I drink red wine, but I don't like the flavor of the red wine cooked. Okay. And so can I just substitute in a white, a dry white wine instead? I would just use more beef stock. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Just do beef stock. If you don't like the red wine, um, if there's, if you're like really sensitive to that, I mean, when you braise beef for that long and it's got like mm-hmm. probably a half a cup of red wine in it, I, I don't think you're really going to taste it. It's just like adds the depth of flavor, Yeah, but oh, I would just okay. do, um, more beef stock or you could do coffee. Yeah. There's also oh, that. Okay. I was also going to say you could also use beer instead of that. Yeah. Cause that's, I do most of my braising in beer. I'll be honest with you. Cause I like to drink okay. my wine. <laughs> and do you do like a dark beer? Yes. Or- Yep. Okay. I like to do like stouts, you know, like, and, and in fact, like what a little, uh, coffee stout. A coffee stout is would be amazing. wonderful. Cause then you get okay. a bonus, you get that bonus depth. All right. I got my um, cast iron do you it, know, girl. thing oh. that you guys were talking about a couple weeks ago. So Your I'm going to break gonna it smell in. Amazing. Oh, well done, Kathy. Oh my gosh. People are going to be able to smell it from the yard. Yes. So just yeah. say, just be aware. Be aware. You're going to have walking past. People knocking in. Thanks, Kathy. <laughs> Bye, Kathy. Okay. And we have Stephanie on the line. What's up, Stephanie? Hey, thank you. Um, so I have a sourdough question for Elizabeth. Great. Oh, this is a miracle that I'm being asked sourdough questions. <laughs> I love it. No, I heard you were going to be on last week. I'm like, oh, I should ask my question. Oh, you're so sweet. Uh, <laughs> so I have an egg. And I really want to try making sourdough on the grill. Oh. So first, have you ever tried that before? And second, I'm scared to put my nice lake out on the grill. So yeah. ha- have you ever tried, can you make it uncovered or should I just like get another one? To, okay, like, so I've never, I've never made sourdough on the green egg. I, we have a green egg too. Um, I like where you're going with this though. I definitely like this idea. I probably would be cautious about using my nice Le Creuset too. Um, (laughs) What I would do is get a more inexpensive lodge. Um, So I have a lodge 
uh, it's a cast iron, like a, it's got a handle on it. So it's like mm-hmm. a Dutch oven, but then it has a lid that doubles as a pan. Have yeah. you seen that one, Steph? Yep. Mm-hmm. It's honestly, I think it was $35. Yeah. Hardware stores. Ace Hardware. Hardware stores. And I got, and I bought one for Steve, my uh, TV co-host as a gift for Christmas a couple years ago too. Yeah. And it's really nice. It's a good size. And then it can take a beating. Yeah. You know? So you could put that right out there. And I've made sourdough in it. I will say that compared to my Lake say um it's done faster in the in the lodge cast iron than it's it not is in my okay. enameled cast iron. yeah because it's not enameled right that's right. what you're saying it's not yeah enameled. me too yeah sure. but i think the trick is going to be with the green egg i mean i if you can just manage the temperature i think you're going to mm-hmm. do great and cool let awesome. me just tell you that i'll just give you this one note of recklessness is that i have buried all of my lake crusades and my cast iron in my you know fire pit ashes i i mean i put them into serious work and, and they they've, do fine. I, they're fine they're great oh good yeah i don't i mean i'm i'm of the i'm of the thought that i'm going to beat it up and that's how it's going to be so and i mean i you know i mean it's i think i put them to use and yeah. so i'm I not too worried using, about it. um barkeeper's friend love to clean friend. You know my Le Creuset stuff because yeah. I bought it when I was with you like a decade ago. I know. We are going to have like that shared memory forever. Forever. Um, and uh, so it's like an ivory color. So it gets sturdy. And the um, the barkeeper's friend has been a lifesaver for cleaning it. Yeah. I do have some of that. Great. I love it. I, I never thought about using that. Honestly. Oh, I'll use it. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Okay. Okay. Let me know how the sourdough goes. Will you send me an yeah, email Yeah, send or us something? a pic. I want to know. Yeah, I will. Okay. Thanks, okay. Steph. Have a exciting. good afternoon. And the fact that Amanda Pa is listening and that I was just asked a sourdough question <laughs> because Amanda is my sourdough guru. I know. I stalk her. I know. I mean, I have messaged her so many times. Hey, we have a question online from Lee, and I know that you and I had uh, on the grid, there was a little thing about this, so I want to talk about it quickly if we have time. I don't know if we have time. Let's do it next. Okay. You know what? We're wrapping up. Let's do it. We'll do it on the front half of the... Uh, the next one before oh. top two because okay. it's about it's about steak and searing. Yeah. All right. We'll be right back. This is the weekly dish. Stay tuned. We've got a great second half coming up. To be your best every day, you need proven quality sleep every night. Science proves your best sleep is vital to your mental, emotional, and physical health. And that's where the Sleep Number Bed comes in. And let me tell you, ever since I've had it, my Sleep IQ score is just going higher and higher. And did you know 8 out of 10 couples say that one of them sleeps too hot or too cold? Science tells us regulating your sleep temperature leads to higher quality sleep. For many couples, temperature struggles are a real challenge. So here are some tips to help you both sleep just right. Look for beds designed with temperature benefits such as the new Sleep Number Climate 360 Smart Bed that actively warms and cools each side so you both sleep blissfully comfortable. And now save 40% on the Sleep Number 360 Special Edition Smart Bed. Plus, special financing for a limited time. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com slash podcast one. Sleep Number, the official sleep and wellness partner of the National Football League. Subject to credit approval, minimum monthly payments required. See sleepnumber.com for details.